You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to episode three of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast, a production of No Credits Production, LLC. I'm your host, producer, and director, Donnie L. Betts. Destination Freedom is a radio drama series recorded live in front of a studio audience, which is then followed by a community discussion about the subject of the play and a musical guest. Destination Freedom is an audio journey through the black experience in America and other unheard voices. Now, the original series came to be in 1948 and ended its run in 1950. All of these shows were written by Radio Hall of Fame writer Richard Durham, one of the few blacks in the Radio Hall of Fame. I revived this series in 1998 and have producing the series ever since. When the series was first produced, it walked a daring line between reform and revolution and it was shut down by its network in 1950 because of its pro-black stance and as McCarthyism tightened its grip on American broadcasting. Now this season, join us as we examine the intersection of law enforcement and communities of color. We explore police shootings, immigration, and gender biases. This is Destination Freedom, Episode 3, The Tale of the Bullet. The Tale of the Bullet tells the story of American obsession of guns from the bullet perspective. According to the bullet, we do all the work and the gun gets all the love. This podcast features Prince Poe of the legendary hip-hop duo Organized Confusion, whose song, Straight Bullet, addressed some of that violence. Plus, we hear vocalist Such, whose song Wake Up Call is dedicated to high school shooting victim Claire Davis. Our conversation after this broadcast includes activists and families that have been impacted by gun violence immediately follows the tail of the bullet. It will feature, among others, Representative Tom Sullivan, whose son Alex was killed in a rural Colorado theater shooting. Please join us now for Destination Freedom, the tail of the bullet. Destination Freedom Black Radio Days is a copyrighted program of No Credits Productions, LLC. Any unauthorized rebroadcast, recording, or any use of this program is strictly prohibited. We dedicate the tale of the bullet to Claire Davis, Devon Bailey, Alex Sullivan, Tatiana Jefferson, and so many others. Destination Freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom of me. And before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. The setting, an office, an elementary school, a nightclub, a church, a college campus, a hospital parking lot, a traffic stop, a backyard, a park, a, 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 a. This is a wake up Rise up and stand tall, be in it for the long haul. Yes, it's a wake-up call. 
this is too small we can all do more this is a wake-up call how did this happen how did i end up lying in the middle of the street dying at 3 30 in the afternoon on a wednesday i left school and everything was groovy i like to say groovy it was my mother's favorite saying graduating in a few weeks accepting into two, 10 colleges including my first two choices yell and howard my dad was a morehouse man and he wanted me to go there 699 children killed in 2018 through the ages of 0 to 11 years old. 22,000 suicides. Wait, wait. Are we going to have a pity party here? Let me speak the truth. Yes, it was me and my siblings who ripped into your body seven times. Beautiful number. 16 times, my brother. No, I stand corrected. 16. Beautiful number. Once someone pulls the trigger, I just get going, and I usually come with my family, you know. That's what we are made to do. Today, on Destination Freedom, we bring you the tale of the bullet. I'm Don, pretend to be concerned, from K&T, Kill Niggers Today TV. Today I'm on a deadline, <laughs> pun intended, <clears throat> like so many other days, but unlike most stories, this story is different. I'll be the same, more urgent than other deadlines that I have ever had in the past. There has been yet another seemingly senseless shooting by the police, citizen patrol, lone wolf, mad brother, ex-boyfriend, husband, wife, somebody like that. Not sure yet, but uh, they had a gun. Let's go to our studio panel. We welcome the Bullets. They represent... Now, now, hold up, home slice. We can introduce ourselves. I'm hollow point. Illegal, but I'm here. I'm nine millimeter. Me? I'm 300 blackout. 224 Valkyrie. Used in the AR-15. Uh, here we go. The weapon. The gun is about to get all the glory. All the press, good, bad, or indifferent. While we bullets do all the work. Of course, they had a gun. This is America. America loves guns. Yeah, people want to talk about the Glock, HK-45, Smith & Wesson, M&PQ. P226, but I digress. Yes, you digress while I die. Now that it has happened, I wish that you would have hit me in the head or the brain. You see, that's my best part. Then it would have been over faster. You wouldn't have to have pushed through membranes and tissues. But now shot in the arm, leg, chest, stomach. But now I digress. Dude, we travel at 3,200 feet per second. We don't pick a spot. The shooter does. Anyway, we like to tear into flesh and bone and tissue. It feels good. Don again from KNT. What brought us here to this place at this time? Excuse me, Don. It's my story. Trey Laquan. Let me tell it. Excuse us, Trey Laquan. If you don't mind, we would like to butt in. <laughs> say 16 times. <laughs> we have a lot to say. Oh, you have jokes. Anyway, let's go back to the beginning of my life. Then I promise you we'll get back here. It's your, your life. life. We're just here to take it. Teens, 12 to 17. 2,853 killed. Of course, it's my life flashing before my eyes moment. Cue music. Nice. Thank you. I like that. Born into a loving home, good father and mother, sister, sister, me, middle child. Good at everything from academics, sports, girls, although I still am a little awkward at that. Okay, this morning. Hey Trey, you ready? That's JT, my best friend. Funniest white boy I know. Hey JT, what's up? Headed to shoot a few on the court, then headed to the library. Study for the SAT. Roll with me. I thought that you passed the SAT. I did. But I want to make sure I can go to whatever school I want, like you. So twice is nice, right? Right. Okay, sure. Let me go grab my backpack. See you, Mom. You guys be safe out there, Trey. 
Take the bus home. Mom, I need to get a little run in. I'll just run home. I'll feel better if you take the bus home. <laughs> I should have listened and taken the bus. I can hear her voice now, on the news or at the services. My mom had just been to a say her name rally for all the countless black women gunned down or killed in this country. She was crushed at Sandra Bland's killer and countless others walked free. Now my mother has to talk about me, her only son. I hear the cry of a mother As if her womb had been ripped out of her Her little girl, innocent bystander Teachers couldn't save her, nor could the ventilator One bullet changed her reality Imagine having to bury your baby While everyone flirts with the gun lobby Avoiding policies that could have changed her destiny Mrs. Jones, what are you feeling right now? He was such a good boy, so smart and kind always listen to me. I just don't know what possessed him to not listen to me that day, if I could just turn back the hands of time. But I can't. My baby is gone forever, and there is no one or nothing that can fill this hole in my heart. How, just how could this happen? You hear about things happening like this on the news, but you never think it's going to happen to you. You never think it'll be your son's lifeless face staring back up at you. Traded everything right. Everything right, you hear me? And I just, my heart is broken. I wouldn't wish this kind of pain on my worst enemy. Something has got to change. Meanwhile, across town, a young blood is walking with a very determined gait. Saint has been told that chemo snitched on him. Chemo gonna die. Bullets in his block are getting hot with excitement. Get ready, brothers and sisters. It's almost time. Yeah, get ready to fly. I knew we were in the right gun in the right hand. I just hate sitting in a chamber doing nothing. Like old school Chuck D would say, it was the hand of the nigga that pulled the trigger. Chemo. <laughs> What's up? Uh, hey, Saint. Uh, what? What? Chemo didn't stand a chance. We were in his chest and head like that. Anybody say they saw something, I'm gonna bust that ass. Hey, say, it's me. One of the bullets you didn't fire. What? Who said that? I told you I'll bust that ass if I hear anybody talking. Don't you worry, fool. Ain't nobody seen nothing. Yeah, nothing is destined but another dead, black, brown, boy, boy man, woman. Boy. Come on, squeeze off another round. Let me feel some flesh today. Go ahead, you got a background check. Yeah, the background check. Said good to go, to kill, right? I gotta get out of here. I'm hearing sh <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably hearing stuff like guns don't kill people. People kill people. Are they dead or what? Or was it a terrorist shouting Ali Akbar, ISIS, or a hamburger-eating killer of nine church members? In fact, in 2018, over 14,786 people in this good old USA were killed in gun homicides. We're in a new year now, and we're already close to 1,000 plus. And then you have the unintended shooting. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I didn't mean to kill you, but I did. Yes, I did, and I'm crying and saying how sorry I am. I am, how tragic. Murder, suicide. Well, 
We just need more background checks. I mean, that would stop the killing in Chirac, or I mean, Chicago, or Baltimore, or Denver. Place your city name here. Why is it that the NRA can support the Mumford Act and keep the Black Panthers from carrying loaded weapons, or, but oppose the Brady Act, huh? Anyway, back to our story. I wonder what story the cop will give. Would that I held a gun? No. A bat? A knife? None. A kind word? No, a book bag filled with chemistry, math books, and August Wilson plays. You know, as I went into your chest and out your back, I thought I tore through a copy of Joe Turner Come and Gone. <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, that's the one about families being torn apart and finding your song or something like that. Sorry, Trey. I hope you found your song before today. I saw him running, chasing after the other kids with something in his hand. It, it looked like a weapon of some sorts. So he posed a threat. What? A threat? Yeah, uh, yes, he posed a threat. He was running in the neighborhood. Could we uh, give him CPR or something? Uh, paramedics are on the way. Hey, he looks like that Trey kid that's always in the papers. Some kind of uh, track star and egghead. Ooh, you better get your story straight. Hey, get him help! It's the kid he was chasing. You all right, kid? Get Trey help. He was chasing you. What, did he have a knife? N knife? He didn't have anything. He was letting me win for once to his house. Get him help. Oh, calm down, kid. Are you saying this Trey kid lives around here? Uh-oh. Hey, guys. Looks like this was another, uh, um, damn shooting. Oh, well, maybe he'll get help soon. Yeah, that's right, Bullet. Talk it up. I'm not going to let you win. What do you say, Bullet 2? Uh, do we need to have a national dialogue on guns? No way. He needs a longer waiting period after purchase. More background checks. I say we need more bullets so the NRA and gun lobby can just shoot everybody that pisses them off. Oh, come on now, guys. They, they couldn't make our brothers do that, could they? Trey, save your breath. Let me take it for a couple minutes. Let's see. <clears throat> a national dialogue. Didn't we have that? The USA passed the Brady Bill. Yeah, that's right. Now let's see then. Didn't we have a long discussion after Columbine? After all the killings in Philly and Chicago, Sandy Hook, Aurora Theater, Virginia Tech, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, the Tree of Life Synagogue, Marjorie Stoneman, Gabriel Giffords, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Jessica Hernandez, our grandmother Marlene Pinnock, and Amen, on, brother, on, preach. On. I, 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 I guess. I guess we should expect that from a violent, savage country, an America that does not protect its people but buries dreams. Bullets and guns that took the indigenous people, Apache, Sioux, Utes, the bison, the enslaved Africans. All right, now, don't start getting all political and morbid on us. We didn't start this. It was long before us that made the gunpowder that filled the round cylinders. You better get back to your story before we light you up. Don, pretend to give a damn here again. We've had this young man's best friend here who was with him when he was shot. His name is JT. JT, what can you tell us? I can tell you that Trey is still alive over there and they won't get him help. We have not been close enough to see. You're saying your friend is still alive? Get him help, please. We were just running home from school like we do most days so that Trey could get some training in for track. The cop said that he was chasing me. He was letting me win. Everybody needs to get back. Kid, I, I saw a big black kid chasing a white kid in this great neighborhood. And, uh, what, what do you want from me? And hell, I can't afford to live here. Plus, uh, I got a call about a break-in, didn't I? Yeah, there, there was a break-in, or a, a woman was scared or something. Shut up. Are you saying that this young man is still alive? His friend's saying 
He's still alive. The paramedics are here and he's being taken to the hospital now. Why did it take so long? Why has he been laying in the street without any medical attention? I said I need you to keep back so we can do our job. What? We hit him 16 times and he's still alive? He's one tough cookie. Oh, we were off our game today. Don't worry, my brothers and sisters. He will be DOA. You are not going to win. I'm going to tell my story. This is not the last that you will hear from me. They will write songs about me, poems, books. Dream on, Trey. <laughs> Your name and everything about you will be forgotten with the next news cycle. Remember, America has to worry about the Muslims and Mexicans. Who cares about another Trey? Trey. Trey. We end our story with news of another shooting in our city. Officer Deadly Force, who was involved in the shooting of a young star scholar athlete, Trey Lacan Jones, was part of another shooting. But this time, closer to home. Honey, you okay? I think I might be in trouble. I, I shot a kid today. That was you that they've been talking about on the news? Yes, I, I just need to close my eyes and, and rest. Yes. yes, here, here we, we go. go. Honey, wait, no, it's Jack. Too, Too late. late. We're, We're gone. gone. We, we are in. in. No! Straight through that little chest, through the wall, straight into Grandma. Street bullet. Two for one, baby. Oh, yeah. Two for one. Wait, we have something else happening. Honey, wait. No. No. You guys forgot about me, the bullet that is sometimes unexpected. The one that comes when all hopes are dashed, dreams are shattered, and the owner or anyone with a figure can pull the trigger and... No! No! Why? What would happen when bullets and guns and more importantly, humans write a new tale. No one's immune to this epidemic. Secular or holy, nothing's off limits. Our brightest stones turn into our darkest nights. Slowly killing our will to fight back. Have we become so desensitized to not recognize that we are perpetuating our own demise? Letting anyone with a vendetta against humanity take the stand and plead insanity. You have just heard Destination Freedoms, The Tale of the Bullet, written, produced, and directed by Donnie L. Betts, under the spirit of the original series Destination Freedom, written by Richard Durham. The cast for The Tale of the Bullet included Jalil Ridley as Trey, such as mother, theme singer, writer, and performer of Wake Up Call. The bullets were Kurt Soderstrom, Prince Poe, and Andrew Betts. Narrator, Donnie L. Betts. Don, the reporter, was Jeff Campbell. Sam Gilstrap as JT. Ithic Gabriel on Foley. Jodell Charles on piano. Lionel Young, violin and effects. Stage managers were Linda Robinson Dixon and Nadia Jackson. Cameras, Rob G. and Sid. And now, producer-director, Donnie L. Betts.
Thank you. Thank you, Kurt. We're just going to clear the stage a little bit. We're going to have a community dialogue that happens now. Thanks to everyone for their continued support over the past 20 years. Without your support over the past 20 years, we wouldn't be here today, and we are nothing without you. Now join us for our community discussion. It's going to be headed up by our one and only Brother Jeff. Thank you for joining us, Brother Jeff. Wonderful being here. And also, uh, let's give another wonderful round of applause for Donnie Betts and everyone who has been a part of this production. I mean, if you really enjoyed it, you might want to stand up and give them a round of applause. It takes a lot for these actors to put, uh, come forward and do this kind of work. Thank you. We're going to engage in a talk back. Um, a little back and forth with those of you in the audience and then also hear from some great panelists. So what I'd like to do is go down and perhaps introduce yourselves and maybe give a, a, brief, um, a brief reflection on what this production has done for you and what you expect to come out of it. Hello, my name is Prince Poe. I'm from a legendary uh, eclectic hip-hop group called Organized Confusion. Um, we've had a lot of conceptual songs during our years of making hip-hop. It's totally not what's going on today. So we have a song that we had, uh, did some years back called Straight Bullet. So I'm letting y'all know the song is very visual um, because of the serious topic. So when Donnie reached out and asked me to come and perform, um, I felt that it was an honor. Uh, you know, gun violence in New York is ridiculously off the hook. And it doesn't even matter because they, got, they have a, a lot of surveillance cameras. It's just getting crazy. So I wanted to be a part of this production to try to bring some awareness. And I wanted to come share with Denver. I've never been to Denver. I've always had holdover flights here, and I've never been here out of the 25 years that I've been making records. So I am honored, and I'm humbled, and I thank y'all for having me. Uh, my name is Jalo Ridley. It's um, Mama right there. Uh, I was uh, introduced to the play by Mr. Betts. Um, um, he had heard my story. I am a victim of gun violence, um, so I was shot uh, this past February. So um, I think that it was kind of a no-brainer to be a part of this production, um, really for closure, for... Uh, really a lot of people, because I mean, it's, it's different to look from the outside in, um, in the perspective of, you know, gun violence, but being in the inside and, you know, having to live it with it every day, and it, it's, it's, it's a totally different ball game. So I wanted to really be a part of the um, display. Um, it was really the panel that I really, that really intrigued me to want to do the play, um, just because, just for the fact of closure for any, you know, questions that anyone has and that I have myself for, you know, people from the outside looking in because, you know, I'm not on the outside looking in anymore um, and I never will be. So um, it, was, it was very mutual amongst me and Mr. Betts um, why we wanted to be a part of this production. My name is uh, Tom Sullivan. I am a state representative from uh, House District 37, which is in uh, Centennial. Um, my uh, son Alex uh, was murdered uh, on July 20th, 2012 um, in the Aurora Theater Massacre. Um, since that time, um, I have um, been working tirelessly um, on, on the subject of, uh, of gun violence prevention. Uh, we, as you all know, had, had a trial that took three and a half years um, to go to its end. And uh, when that was all um, finished, I 
told my wife and daughter that I, I um, could only do so much on the outside. I could only write so many op-eds, could only stand out um, you know, on, on a step and, and talk about the subject or be interviewed. I actually need to get inside um, the buildings where they uh, make the laws. Uh, we ran in 2016 for a Senate seat. The district that I live in is a very Republican district. My wife and I have lived there 29 years. Democrats never won a seat there. There were times when uh, we wouldn't even run a candidate, um, but we weren't going to move. We were gonna uh, start to change the culture there. Uh, we lost in 16, came back again in 18, and uh, we were the first Democrats to ever win a seat uh, in, in Centennial. My name is Deborah Wilcox, and I'm new to Denver, a couple years now, and um, I teach at uh, Metropolitan State University in integrative health care. Roadrunners? Uh, yes, Roadrunners. <laughs> <laughs> and I had the opportunity to meet this wonderful gentleman, Donald, at the uh, Colorado Black Roundtable this past weekend. So this, he asked me spontaneously would I like to participate, so here I am. Um, first thing that came up for me, I just wrote some, you know, in terms of what's coming from my heart, uh, is that how wonderful theater is and how theater brings us together across our differences and really builds authentic community. And I was telling this wonderful gentleman that I met, Evan, how my high school, we had lots of theater and everybody has a role, everybody has a part. You know, even if it just means bringing a prop out and put it on the table and having that sense of purpose. And I think about what's changed this country was activism. That's what came up for me. I have a son, I'm a mother, and he's 32, and I just thank God every day that I got him to 32. You know, and what I had to do for that to happen. You know, but activism for, for myself, I think is civic prayer. And that when we engage in activism, we can transform a nation, and we did that through the American Civil Rights Movement. We transformed this nation we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for the American Civil Rights Movement. The world wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for the American Civil Rights Movement. And so uh, coming through this social political climate that we're in and the lessons that we're learning here in this valley shows that we have a lot of work to do to come together across our differences so we can create a better quality of life and improve a good quality of life of healthy well-being for all people across differences. But we're gonna have to create that sense of safety and engage in grassroots public policy development as we work through this identity politics. We got so much identity politics. If we can just get to the policies, you know, if we can get there, we're not there yet. But uh, I think through civic prayer and activism, we can make it. I really do think we can do that. And the theater being the catalyst for, for that. My name is Evan Weissman. Uh, I have a background in theater, and I also uh, run an organization now called Warm Cookies of the Revolution. And uh, we get people involved in, in community and civic issues uh, in sort of fun, hopefully surprising ways. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of honored to be up here with, with all these folks. Um, what, what got me, what I was thinking about when watching this was actually a friend of mine. Um, his name's Garrett, and he was a sniper in the Iraq War, and um, he killed many people. And he often talked about um, that he was the bullet, and uh, we all were the gun. And so what it made me think about in, in listening to this was... Um, What's the difference when you look at things that are institutional? It can be clear when you're talking about individual shootings, um, who's to blame, who's at fault, who's involved. But um, a lot of it stems from, from these root causes. Um, and so thinking about who, who's the gun and who's the bullet um, and, and what do we do about that? that that's what, that's what the, uh, the performance got me thinking about. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, my name is Donnie Betts again. Um, once again, I want to thank everybody who's up here uh, for taking part in this discussion. And I just want to remind the audience, too, just right after our discussion, we have an amazing performance by Prince Poe. As he talked to you earlier about, he has a, one of the duos hit, uh, Organized Confusion hit, was a spray bullet, straight bullet. 
And one of the things when I was writing this, I just kept listening to that song over and over and over again. Um, uh, you mentioned your friend being a sniper. So uh, one of the things I do when I work many jobs, one of the jobs is I work at um, uh, a university hospital um, at an organization called CAPE. But anyway, I talked to one of the surgeons there, emergency surgeons, and he told me he was supposed to be here tonight, but he's traveling, and he was in Iraq War too as a medic. And he talked about the damage that the bullet, he never mentioned the gun at all, that the bullet did to the body, how it tore through membranes, and, 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 and it ends up in the body. We talked about this, we have a had a table read last night, how that poison of the bullet stays in the body. It never leaves. So your body is being poisoned all the time. So if you don't die from the actual bullet, you die years later from that poison that is caused, you know? So, I mean, you see these old movies, they pulling the bullet out and all that kind of stuff and spitting the bullet out. And he said, no, that's not what happens. What happens is it wreaks habit on your body. So for me personally, doing this show, I started writing in 2015. I think I told some, a story about this. I didn't want to ever have to produce this because I, I was always hopeful that things would change and be better. But personally, how it hits me is that it was a murder-suicide within my family with my sister. So I know what bullets can do to the family, um, the impact it has on the family. I'm so honored that um, people are here who have that direct impact, uh, like myself, or even more so than myself, will be willing to come and discuss that. So hopefully you'll be able to communicate with us as well. But Brother Jeff, it's back to you. Thank you, my man. Okay. Um, what I want to do, I want to absolutely, please. You know, there's a, there's a thread that runs through this panel from academia to youth to politics, art, and theater. I want to ask a question, Prince. I want to just ask you first, and then I definitely want to get to the audience because we want to hear exactly what you would like to engage with. Um, there was a time where, you know, resources were taken out of communities that perhaps were already uh, devoid of, of many resources, and hip-hop was created out of some of those voids. Um, and then at the same time, we see how music and theater, et cetera, has been taken out of public education. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, what you see as, as it relates to hip hop and the music, and is it contributing to uh, what it was initially designed to um, address? And what are some of the impacts of the messages that are being popularly, popularly put into the public as it relates to gun violence? All right, well, let me start off by saying that hip-hop is a positive culture, okay? It was our refuge because back then we had summer programs, lunches, gyms to go to, and hip-hop was a refuge when you didn't have the money or you was less fortunate. Hip-hop was our refuge. It was, it was where your voice got heard. So, you know, as the years went on, I've seen a lot of the programs diminish. See what I'm saying? We had hip-hop park jams. So now the bully over there I was supposed to fight, he don't want to fight me no more because the music was love. You know, and the gun violence wasn't as bad as it is now because we had things to do as kids. We had the summer camps, we had basketball tournaments. And as the years evolved, these programs had started getting removed. And so did the hip-hop. It started changing. Now you have artists like uh, a De La Soul who has great music, now they're saying that, the, the executive starts saying that that's, this is not cool, this is not gonna sell. It could be the same group that go back in there and talk about guns and killing, and that's who they started giving a half a million dollars to. You see what I'm saying? So in my car, when my niece gets in, I'm playing Patrice Russian, I'm playing Police Synchronicity, we're not gonna listen to that. You know what I'm saying? I tell people all the time, we gotta be concerned with what what is positive. We can't be concerned with who's not taking care of their kids. We gotta be concerned with who is taking care of kids. Get your house in order, then you can get the next house in order. So with us in hip hop, that's why we don't do a whole lot of shows because we charge a pretty penny and a lot of these promoters call me a legend in one sense, but then turn around and oh, you know, they try to downplay positive hip hop. So all we do is say, no, I don't budge for five cents less. I've been, I've been struggling. It's not nothing new to me. So I stand aground and I, and I represent real hip hop. 
Like, I, I can't be concerned with this person did it, did it, did it. And let's talk about having sex and, and gun violence. I talk about stuff that I want my nieces and my nephews to be able to listen to when I get older. Babe. So that's why I'm here, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm here. You know, on the flip side of that, um, I want to ask Tom, I want to think about some of the, the gun violence that you've been addressing and, and how you were impacted as well. There's been a stereotypical image of, of urban violence, but now we're seeing you know, suburban gun violence, et, et cetera. So what is the uh, viewpoint that you see in terms of the gun violence and then uh, resource distribution from a legislative level? Where are they best placed to address some of the, the gun violence that we're seeing today? Well, I mean, quite obviously, I mean, uh, you know, I, I apologize, um, you know, for um, the notoriety or the resources that came to us. I mean, I still have, um, because of, you know, we were on the front page of the newspaper, this was a mass shooting. This is the exception rather than the rule. The stuff that happens, you know, in, in the cities, um, the accidentals, uh, the death by suicides, that's the stuff that happens every day. And I remind um, people of that. What happened to my family was, was an exception. But if it's going to give me the opportunity to um, have a voice and talk about that, um, then that's, um, you know, certainly what I'm going to do. Um, and I always talk about trying to make sure um, that we have the resources. And, and, and what we can do uh, for that. And then expose um, these people who, you know, are on the other side of this issue, um, who just don't, you know, see it as, as something that's ever going to happen to them. And, and I stand in front of them and say, you know, uh, you know I am those other people. I, I'm that other that it happened to. And, and just look at me and tell me how I look any different uh, from you. And that's why, I mean, that's why I wear this Batman pin. Um, Alex was at the uh, at the Batman movie. Um, I remind him each and every day. I have Alex's picture uh, on my desk um, to let them know I uh, have, um, you know, the the crosses that the guy from Ohio uh, makes and drives around the country. And and uh, we used to have that one uh, down in our uh, in our basement. And uh, it's in my office down at the Capitol now. Uh, the same one that had the balloons and the teddy bears and the birthday cards. That's sitting in my office. If you come in, this is who you're talking to. You're talking to Alex's dad. You know, for the entire panel, I would like to, yeah, absolutely. Um, for anyone or everyone on the panel, coming into the theater, there was this question, or there was a, a warning. Um, there's going to be gunshots in this particular production. And I want you to think about this in terms of audience members as well. Um, was that a triggering warning to you? Do, do, do those exhortations trigger you? Or were you kind of like me when I was told there would be gunshots in the theater? I was like, well, I hear gunshots in real life all the time. You know what I mean? So what hits you when you heard that warning that there would be gunshots? What, where did that land with you? Oh, <laughs> me? Okay. Well, I made the announcement, so... Um, <laughs> well, it's two reasons. One is I have to be a responsible producer. So if it is going to trigger something in someone in the audience, I have to forewarn them that they have the opportunity to leave and not have that trigger something in them that's not a positive. Yeah, but not, the, not necessarily the why, but... Um, and then perhaps for oh, the other panelists in terms okay, of yeah. how did that land with you, knowing that that was a particularly, uh, th here it comes, and you're like, uh-oh, or yeah, that's what it is, or that's how it is. How, how, how did it land? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like you. I, unfortunately, uh, I hear gunshots, or, or I, I, I have ghost gunshots, as we call them. Linda and I call them ghost gunshots because somebody's always saying that they hear gunshots. So I'm not sure if it's gunshots or not. But I know definitely there are gunshots in my neighborhood. You know, it's supposed to be suburbia or whatever. But um, so I don't know. It's interesting because sometimes I, I tense, and sometimes, frankly, I just ignore it. It doesn't land on me any kind of way. It's just like, unfortunately, it's the norm, and that's what bothers me about this country. That it has become the norm. You know, that gunshots and violence and 
ignorance and people coming out of people's mouths is the normal. And we put up with it. And my thing is we can't put up with it. We have to speak up and speak out, write up, write out. Whatever your vehicle is, we have to do something so that it doesn't become the new norm. And it's become the new norm. And it's just frightening that we have to be that way. Evan, how did it land with you? Um, I, it's kind of a similar there a little bit. I mean, I think also just from being in the theater a bunch, it's a, it's a warning that is, is kind of common that there might be, that there's gunshot that's going to be going off. Um, and so I think for me, it, it, it was just, um, unfortunately, it was sort of like, it comes off like, uh, please silence your cell phones. Um, yeah. just from being exposed to it. Well, for me, it was visceral. I mean, I had a, a kind of emotional kind of trigger about it. Okay, we're getting ready to get real with this thing, you know, and it put me into a reflective mode about really what time it is for all of us. So uh, it put me in a deep reflective mode and then uh, thinking that, but we're all in this together, but I don't think we always know that. But I was feeling really blessed to be able to feel, feel, that I could still feel because I think it's what you're saying, is I don't wanna be numbed out. I wanna have a vicarious traumatic experience when I hear about a gun shooting. I don't wanna say, you know, that's just another day in the US, you know, even though I think that cognitively, but in my body, I feel it. And I wanna always feel it. I don't wanna be numbed out. That I worry about that. I, I, um, it, it got very traumatic for me when I was like 13 years old, the cops killed one of my friends. And ever since then, I don't, I don't believe in paranoia. Like, I'm, I'm not numb to nobody's child getting killed because I have 10 nephews and five nieces and I love them to death. But I don't believe in paranoia. I'm always on point. I'm always looking just in case. Like, I don't, I don't believe in paranoia because of gunshots. So I don't, I'm not numb to it. I'm listening for it. I'm looking, I'm paying attention to people. I'm looking at people's waistline. I don't play with it at all, at all. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm numb to people being numb about it. Mm -hmm. I'll, never be, I'll never be comfortable with that. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. Rodney. Uh, I think it just, uh, I think having the script in hand, it, it kind of hit different because you know, we have the cue gunshots is, is going to go, but um, aside from that, um, I just, I just that, that's why I wanted to do this panel was to hear what it's like being on the outside in again, you know, because hearing a gunshot and it's not coming towards you is totally different than hearing them and they're supposed to hit you, you know, so it's, it's, it's different. So, uh, and I, I mean, you know, the, the differences, there's gunshots that are made for entertainment in terms of the sound and gunshots that are these ain't these are for you you know so i mean it's, it's now is it's like when i hear the entertainment gunshots you know tv i kind of chuckle you know because it sounds nothing like it it's kind of like are you serious it's kind of offensive in a way like to 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 try to Make it a, a in, make it entertaining. It's, it's, it's offensive and it's, it's just I don't know. So it it doesn't really it doesn't bother me only because I know the real one, you know, and, and I felt the real one. So it, it just doesn't hit me. It's unfortunately I don't want to use the word numb, uh, but that's the only word that really comes to mind in terms of the sounds and you know when he made the announcement. Yeah, I. I The night, uh, the night Alex was murdered, uh, when, it, when it was first starting, all of the, the kids, the people in the theater grabbed their phones and started calling 911. And, and uh, there were a lot of the 911 calls that were played uh, during the trial. And they actually opened the trial with the shots um, that were going on. And I'll never forget hearing um, these were the actual shots that were coming out. I've talked to uh, another father, uh, one of the Columbine fathers, um, who they have, a, he's heard the tape and he can count to uh, knowing which bullet murdered his son. 
so he can sit and listen to that to know which one they are. I mean, I appreciate the fact of, of having that, uh, you know, notice out there, but um, yeah, you should be jolted. Um, you can't turn the page on this because, you know, our kids are dying. You know, I want to go to the audience. Um, and I've got some follow-up questions, but I think they're going to come from the, from the audience as well. Um, over here on Evans, when you turn, they just recently made, it used to be a two-way coming in in front of the theater, and now it's like a one-way. And so when we were pulling up, I, was, um, I said, wow, what's going on? And my wife was like, just, just turn up in there. And I, <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm not, I don't want to get a shot over here. You, 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 and some of you kind of understand what I'm saying. You know, it's like a whole different dynamic. But Donnie, would you pass that to whomever may have a question? Can we see by a show of hands? Now that you've got a brother, brother Jamal, as now that you've got a feel for who's on the panel, um, feel free to direct a question to I them. I just wanted to say that the, the young man right there, that's the one that hit me that. Like, I tell B all the time, like, you know, you watch movies and you see people all the gunshot. And I always, I'll, I'll stop and go in the other room, right? Because I, I always think what he thinks. When people are shooting at you in the real world, <laughs> when you go home and watch it on TV, it make you think different, right? You know, like, man, that's not, that's different. So when I watch movies, now I'm like, man, I shake my head like, man, that's not even real. You know, like, you know, because I, I was a teenager going through that. So... Man, that's real right there. So people that watch movies and they're laughing at people, you know, like I laugh a lot when I see them kind of movies. I, people say, what you laugh? It's not funny. I'm laughing at this fact that it's phony. You know, it looks good or it's funny, but really in real life, it's not. So that's, that's just something I'm getting from the young people. I always say some of the wisest things, man. Thank you. Questions, comments? It was a comment that this gentleman said about the amount of attention that came to this community because your son uh, had passed. You should never feel bad, ever. It happened. You have every right to feel bad. What it did, it helped not just your community, but the country to understand that as a country, we're desensitized to violence now. We're so numb. Like, even when this gentleman said the differential in hearing bullets on movies and TV and to what he heard, you can never take that away from him. And it's going to stick with him. But with the work that you do in trying to help curb gun violence, to try to go and help educate those who are still naive or just self-ignorant, everybody got to applaud that because you got to deal with that every day. Every day you go to work, every day you see that, that pin on you, you have to still sit there and everybody has to see you go through that. So you, I just want to say you should never feel bad because of the amount of publicity that you got, the amount of you know, views that people said, oh my God, it happened in Denver. I remember it mm -hmm. and I was disgusted because I'm a parent. My child goes to the movie, mm -hmm. I'm petrified. Every day he walks out. He goes to work, he goes to wherever. I don't know if he's gonna come home. So you didn't know that your child was gonna go see Batman and that happens. And as parents, as friends, we all feel that way. So I definitely, like, I came in to look at the play from a different perspective until I started to see the play and I heard it and it really resonated because this is real, this isn't the movies, this isn't TV, this isn't music. Like Prince said, like Prince is a personal friend of mine. I know what type of life he's lived. And people don't understand, a lot of the soldiers that are overseas, they got PTSD, you guys have PTSD. Mm -hmm. That's right. Like, realistically, some of you guys have friends, family, that you've seen shot, or you woke up, went to school, they're not there anymore. You're not supposed to feel bad? It doesn't make any sense. Thank you. We got about three minutes. Um, I just, hey y'all. Um, I just wanted to, oh. 
Um, I want to actually piggyback off of this, brother, and I want to say thank you to Such for your role. Um, yeah, the mothers and fathers, um, that was like you, I cried. One, that's my child, literally. Um, but the trauma is something that we also have to address and not just talking about these are issues because you don't even understand how trauma shows up. You don't understand how the impact of gunshots, you know, um, what it, we say it numbs us, but it shows up in different ways in our lives. It might show up in, now I don't trust people. It might show up in, now I don't want to work my job anymore, and now I'm stuck, and I'm, I'm all of these different ways. So even though it's not, it's so abnormal to our natural selves that we get disconnected. And so in this conversation, I, don't, I hope that we walk out being graceful to ourselves and allowing ourselves to heal However you've been impacted, policy takes time. That doesn't mean we're not still hurting. That doesn't mean that we're, we're, we still don't need to address in some type of healing circle, in some type of something, and addressing that um, it's traumatic. It's traumatic to be a victim. It's traumatic to be a caregiver of a victim. It's traumatic all the way around, and I you said, don't how do we, know how to can do I, it. Can I ask you just a quick question in terms of you're watching a production with your son um, and you produce theater. How did you navigate between the real and the theater, the real and the stage? How do you how do you do that? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I Donnie, let me know about the project. Um, I'm, I was intentional about not reading the script. Um, also, Jalil is seventeen. He needs to start owning his own experiences. So um, I, I didn't. I was so concerned with my son's healing, and I was so liberated to see he found healing through the arts the same way that I have. And um, I was concerned about the, the gunshots because I know what triggers are for our family, and um, I didn't. And that's why such a role was so important to me because that was the one thing I was concerned about, like who's holding that mother's space or parent's space for my child really living through probably thoughts he really had in February, right? And so it, it, I, I didn't separate, in terms of my son, I didn't separate and such became me for a second. So just from, from Evan down, I, I would like to ask, please go ahead. Evan, I want to work down just quickly and talk about resolution. Um, what, and take about 30 seconds or so and just talk about how does this resolve? If uh, we are to address gun violence, gun issues, et cetera, what's the resolution? Uh, I wouldn't pretend to have a solid answer, but I do, I, I do think about a lot. If you say Columbine to everyone, most everyone knows what you're talking about. Um, and, I and if you say nickel mines, does anyone, does that conjure anything up to anyone? Uh, I only know it because I looked it up. Um, but I remembered it, it was, it was an Amish shooting in the Amish community in Pennsylvania. And it was brutal and it was horrific. And um, to be brief about it, they, they, uh, they bulldozed the school a couple days later, built a new one. Um, and there's nothing else that you hear about it. And Columbine, there's still lawsuits, and there's still monuments, and there's still books being written, and this isn't to talk about the personal pain, but there, I, there's some lesson there that I don't know what it is, but, but there's a lesson of how we deal with some of these, especially mass, mass violence, so that's best I got. Yeah, what comes up for me is, um, one of my highest values, and I hope it's one of the highest values of, of members of the, of the audience and all of us, is community. You know, um, the opportunity for us to be able to come in places and spaces in our communities and be safe and authentic in dialogue and conversation, just like tonight, this gets no better than this. But, the, but this can be a way of life, 
not just a program. It can be a way of life uh, in spaces and places where people feel safe to show up uh, authentically who they are. We have a thread in this culture that we have to be in some type of agreement with each other in order to get something done. And we don't have to agree. Only thing we need to do is, is build community through organic, not electronic. We do emails to exhaustion. But we need to be able to look at each other's faces and see each other's bodies and verbal and nonverbal and come together and kind of restore a sense of humanity that we've lost in the country. And that can be done on a, on a small level. So in essence, um, we haven't said no to gun violence as a country. What is it gonna take for us to say no more? We haven't done that. Because we still think we need to be in agreement as opposed to building community. Mm. Okay. Hey, Brother Jeff. Can we, get a, can we get a last word to uh, our young? Yes, indeed. Yes. You have the last word. Uh, what was the question? Can you ask? The resolution. What, um, if, if we were to resolve this gun violence, uh, what, would, what would be your gift in terms of bringing that about? Uh, I don't think there's just one answer, but I think the biggest one for me is acceptance. And, and, and what I mean by that is, um, I think the only, per well, I don't, I don't want to speak for you or your family, but I feel like to say, we're numb to it is a slap in the face to the victims and the victims' families. To just say, oh, I'm numb to it, this, oh, this, this happens every day, I, I feel like that's very, you know, I, I feel like that's a big slap in the face. And I don't know if you feel like that, but um, I know, you know, people who, you know, I've lost people as well. And, you know, it's like the families still suffer, but the, the phrase life goes on, I think kind of makes it, it's tough. I, I wouldn't say it's everyone's fault. But I feel like just to say, oh, I'm numb to it is, is I don't think that's helping at all. I, I feel that if that, if anything, that's, that's just egging it on and, and making it um, a bigger of a beast by not accepting it and not, you know. And, and acceptance is not always going to be good. It's, it's tough, you know, it was tough accepting that I got shot. I, I wanted to act like it didn't happen, but you can't, you have to accept it and you got to, face it and and do things like this you know think about other resolutions because I, I don't think anyone's going to think of other re resolutions if they don't accept it that that's the first step that you have to do is accept it and then think it you can't you can't think about it if you don't accept it fully all right well ladies and gentlemen um what i would like to say in closing i believe the solution is this this this. Thank the wonderful panelists. Thank Donnie Betts and thanks everyone for, for coming out and participating. Donnie. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Destination Freedom, The Tale of the Bullet, written by Donnie L. Betts. This podcast series is a copywriting production of No Credits Production, LLC. Thanks to Monfils Stanford Foundation, Ulipian Fund, and Arts and Society. Join us next time for Enrique's Journey, Part 1 based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel by Sonia Gazzaro. Braving unimaginable peril, often clinging to the sides and tops of freight trains, Enrique travels through hostile worlds full of thugs, bandits, and corrupt cops to be reunited with his mother. Follow us on Facebook at No Credits Production LLC, Twitter at Donnie Betts, at Black Radio Days, Instagram, Hashtag No Credits Production LLC. Join us next time for Enrique's Journey. This is Donnie Betts. Talk to you then. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.